0: And one of the things that they pursued, which is a a factual thing about the bohemian sort of uh, movement of that time, is their desire was to always pursue truth, beauty, freedom, and love. Truth, beauty, freedom, and love. Now there's this great song that takes place where they're shouting out those words, In the midst of it, it really is a a depressing movie in the end, but it's a very good movie. But that section of the movie where they are talking and shouting out the words truth, beauty, freedom and love. And the song that is playing underneath it, the instrumentation is rousing. And they're talking about them as values, as something to pursue, as something to give up your whole life for, is this pursuit of truth, beauty, freedom, and love. And I think oftentimes when you maybe have seen that movie or you even hear those words today, it should in some level stir up your heart to make you go, yes, we all want truth. We all want beauty. We all want Freedom. We all want love. They are things that should be pursued. They are things that we should run after. And what I hope to do today is while looking at Psalm 8 and other places in Scripture is to help you recognize, to help me recognize, to remember that truth, beauty, freedom, and love all spring from the heart of God. And that in them, we are placed in a posture that of create. A posture of create. So, look again at Psalm 8. And we're going to recognize something about God Himself. It says, O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is Your name in all the earth. You have set Your glory above the heavens. And then skip down to verse 2. When I look at the heavens, the works of Your fingers, the moon and the stars, which You have set in place. David here is talking about God. God the Creator, God the Savior, and God the Sustainer of creation. So the first thing, as we walk into a posture of create, is to recognize the source of that. It's to recognize that God, in fact, is the Creator and is the Sustainer of creation. He is the One who spoke it into existence. He is the One who is the Master of it. He is the One who said it, it became, and then He claimed and said that it was good. Psalm 19, 1, just to look at a couple of different places, says this to us about the creation. The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims His handiwork. Revelation 4, 11, says this to us about God. Worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Now one of the things that we know about creation, if we look at creation, is it is filled with truth, beauty, freedom, and love. When we wake up in the morning and we begin to see the sun come over the range. And it begins to heat up our houses. And we think to ourselves, that's beautiful, it's warm, but it's beautiful. And throughout the day we watch as it moves like clockwork, oddly enough, across the sky. And at noonday we look up and we see it and we say, yes, there is the sun as sure as I am standing here. And then in the evening, if you're lucky to live in Fremantle, you have a beautiful view As it goes down, I would recommend that if you don't get to see that that often, run up to Monument Hill and take a look. Lots of people do it. And if it had been a little bit cloudy during the day, or there maybe was a bushfire that hopefully wasn't causing too much trouble, as that sun begins to go down and looks like it seeps into the ocean, the colors of pink and orange and red spread out. You can look behind you as it is going and see the moon coming up and see purple and blue. And you think, there's beauty. There's freedom. There's love. Something has to be true because tomorrow I know that I will wake up and it will be there moving across whether you like water or not, whether you like the smell of the sea, you walk by the beach and you see it and you recognize the rhythm of the waves and it calls to your heart. And you gently begin to sway. And you lose sight of your children as they run fully clothed into the water. And you think, now I have to clean up all that sand. And then you think about the sand and how it's there and how when it's wet, you can mold it and build sandcastles with your children. And You can build things that will, yes, be washed away, but for a moment, for an instant, there's beauty. There was freedom. There was truth. There was love in the building of those things. One of the most exciting things that we've had happen to us while we've been here trying to transition and learn about Australia, in case you didn't know, I'm not from here, is the flora and the flowers and the different things that they are. I bet you didn't know this, but honey tastes different here than it tastes in the States because of the different flowers and the different places that those bees visit. There's truth and beauty and freedom and love. That each moment of each day, of each nanosecond, God's radiance, cries out to us in creation. That it is through Him and by Him that it is made and sustained. And that He didn't do it boringly. Just look at the animals. Just look at yourself. You're not that boring. You're unique. Each feature that you have, the curve of your ear, the way some of us have dimples, the way some of us lose hair or grow hair in places that maybe don't seem to be. Why not here, but here? The uniqueness of all of us. There's beauty and truth and freedom and love. And that's the God that David proclaims in this psalm. How majestic is your name in all the earth. It causes him to move to worship because he knows that this is the God who has created him. So much so that it causes him to do what it should do when we encounter this creative, sustaining God. Who are we? Who are we that you are mindful of us? Who are we that in your great, magnificent, and creative nature you would look down on us and say, Yes, I'm mindful of you. I'm thinking about you. But David answers so boldly to us. Verse 4, What is man that you are mindful of, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him just a little lower than the heavenly beings. Listen, and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hand and have put all things under his feet. If you remember last week when we were talking about a posture of care, we talked about the fact that dominion is not this sort of dominion, right? It's not the holding down, it's not the lording over, it's not the I'm bigger, better, stronger, mightier than you. It is the dominion that comes underneath and carries and holds and sustains. That says, I have the right to speak your name. Right? That's what God gives to Adam in creation. He says, I don't want to just be the creative one. I don't just want to be the one that creates and sustains. Adam, I want you to name all of these animals. I'm going to have them pass in front of you, and you get to name them. Now, I don't know that any of the names that we have for our animals today are the same names that Adam gave them. I really don't. I mean, who knows? Maybe they're exactly the same. Who knows? Hippopotamus. Yes, hippopotamus. Elephant. Dog. That was a pretty easy one. <laughs> Probably started off, you know, with the big ones. Rhinoceros. And then he kind of you know, cat, <laughs> pig. Who knows? Maybe there was something completely different. Question to ask in heaven, maybe. What did you name this thing that I call this? It'd be really interesting to find out what it is. But what we know is it was a creative endeavor. It was creation that was taking place. Adam had a posture of create at that point. So dominion is the sustaining creation, cultivating it together. So the first thing we know from Psalm 8 is this, that we recognize God as creator. The second thing is that we recognize ourselves as a posture of create, as cultivators of creation. So how do we do that? How do we cultivate creation how do we bring it in and protect it and sustain it and see it flourish and grow well the first thing we do is we appreciate it the first thing we need to do is appreciate it that means we enjoy it so when we see things in this world because remember the world is not bad the world is good it's fallen but it is good when god created it it was good and it remains good because it's sustained by christ today something that's sustained by christ cannot be evil It is sustained by Christ. It is good. And so we are allowed to appreciate, to enjoy. So, if you're an omnivore and you have a great steak, you should proclaim God's goodness in it. Enjoy it. Appreciate it. It's perfectly grilled. Seasoned just right. And if you are a vegan and you have a nice portobello mushroom... You should enjoy it and celebrate it. When you hear a good song, a song that makes you want to dance, you should dance. Or you read a book that challenges your thought processes so that you begin to think in new ways. You begin to understand the world through somebody else's lens. Then you enjoy it. We need to stop looking for things that we should label as bad And begin to search out the things that are edifying and good. Why? Because we're cultivators of creation. And cultivators of creation look at the bad and quickly pick it away and let it go. But they tend to and care for those things that are good so that they can expand and reproduce and multiply. That's the second place that we walk as cultivators of creation creation, is we care. That's why that posture of care is important. As a matter of fact, if you'll recognize, if we're going to enjoy culture, we have to have a posture of for, like we talked about two weeks ago. Always looking for the way that we can be for something, not against something. To cultivate culture, to cultivate creation, we must have a posture of caring, looking for it, watching after it, Making sure that it doesn't go too far away, but allowing it to reach the boundaries so that we can expand and see God's glory and mercy and truth and beauty and freedom and love. So, the second way is we care. The third way that we are cultivators of creation is that we create. That we create. Now, for some of us, that's an artistic sort of creating. That means we might paint a picture or we might sculpt something. We might write a song. We might write some prose or a book. And we have several people in our congregation and our gathering that can do those things. We are very blessed by Laura and by Brett over the Advent season while well, they wrote things out for us that we put in our worship folders that were challenging to us. We're very blessed to have Andy who's writing songs for us each week that are new, that are based on what we're talking about. We have other artists who paint and do other things. But it's not just in creating that. Some of us create systems. Systems of efficiency that actually help us all live better. Can you believe that a spreadsheet is creative? It is. I've seen things done on spreadsheets I didn't know you could do. And the creativity that happens within that place is amazing. Some people are creative in the way that they challenge us. They do it by example or they do it by speech. They do it by how they reach out. They just find certain unique ways to do something within the community that maybe we thought, oh, that's so simple. Why didn't I think of that? It's creating something new. So we cultivate creation by creating. And then the last thing is, is all creation, all cultivation of creation really happens not in isolation. It has to happen in community. You see, because if we're in isolation all by ourselves doing this creating, nobody gets to see it. Nobody gets to recognize it. Nobody gets to give glory to God, which is ultimately what this is about. How do we give glory to God and enjoy him? We do it within community. It's right that we gather together here at our houses as the body of Christ, as people who are seeking after Jesus because we can encourage one another in our cultivation of creation. God's made us that way. He's put us that way. Abraham Kuyper says this about us being cultivators of creation. He says, As image bearers of God, man possesses the possibility both to create something beautiful and to be light in it. The world of sounds... The world of forms, the world of tents, the world of poetic ideas can have no other source than God. And it is our privilege as bearers of His image to have a perception of this beautiful world, artistically to reproduce it and humanly to enjoy it. See, we are to get in the muck of the world because it's good and take the muck and make beauty, truth, love, and freedom within it. Now, you you might say to yourself, now, Lee, that's all good and fine, but that sounds like a slippery slope to me. I mean, there's lots of things in this world that are going on that we do not need to be part of. There are lots of things that we do not need to be encountering, subjecting ourselves to. I hear you. John Calvin, theologian, pastor, writing about this very thing, says this. Therefore, in reading profane authors, the admirable light of truth displayed in them should remind us that the human mind, however much fallen and perverted from its original integrity, is still adorned and invested with admirable gifts from the Creator. If we reflect that the Spirit of God is the only fountain of truth, and I will add beauty, love, and freedom, we will be careful as we would avoid offering insult to him, not to reject or condemn truth wherever it appears. In despising the gifts, we insult the giver. Second Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says this that we are to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So for those of us who are here who are followers of Christ, who have been captured by His love, truth, beauty, and freedom, we have every right to look over the whole scope of creation, everything that is being made, everything that is there, and we take every thought captive for Christ so that it is then submitted to Him. And when there is truth, and beauty, and love, and freedom found, we can say, this is of God. Even if it appears that it doesn't come from anybody who knows a thing about who God is. It's a slippery slope, right? It's scary. The largest question that we must ask is, is it good? Does it bring us back... To the original idea of what creation was and is. That in God we find all of our fulfillment. That He is our God and we are His people. That we are reconciled to Him. That in the original creation, in Eden, it was good. And it's still good today. And so if there is something out there that brings good to the world, we as Christians should say yes. Maybe the best way to put it is this. Every one of us have a subjective truth that we live with. We all have experiences and stories and family relations and books that we have read and churches we have grown up in and schools that we have attended, and they all build within us a subjective truth. God stands above that as the truth the one who knows the universe. Why? Because He created it. And He holds all of it in His hand completely. What we see the truth doing is coming into our true. And it does one of three things. It either looks at our true and it says, no, there is nothing good about this. It does not fall within the truth of who I am. And it burns away. It's something we have to give up. Maybe it's something we hold very dearly subjectively in us. But when it is underneath the truth of God, it has to go away. So, something that we all hold true that we never want to admit is that we are controllers of our own life. We are the captains of our own destiny. When it's submitted to the truth of God who says, no, I'm the creator of your life. I know who you are better than you do. It has to go away. The second thing that when truth comes in does is it transforms things that are true within us, that hold a little bit of the truth, and it makes them different. It says, for instance, yes, you're right. You're not the master of your domain, so I need to do away with that, the destiny. But, but, I have crowned you with glory and put you dominion over all of creation. So you are gifted in Having a posture of create that transforms that. It says, yes, you're not the big dog, but you're a pretty big dog. <laughs> then the third thing that truth does is when truth overcomes and sees our truth and recognizes that something that subjectively is our truth lines up perfectly with his truth. And believe it or not, it happens even in our, our broken and unwhole nature. The remnants of God, that's what Calvin's talking about there, right? When he says they are still endured and invested with admirable gifts from the Creator. When it recognizes it, when God's truth recognizes it, it celebrates it. It says, yes, there in that true is my truth. I don't even need to transform it. It's already been done. That's the reason why in Acts 17, when Paul was speaking to these pantheistic people that believed in multiple gods, so many gods that they had a statue to an unknown God, just to make sure they hit everybody. When he is leading them to the truth of who Jesus is. In verse 28, chapter 17, he tells them this. And he's quoting one of their ungodly poets. In Him, we live and move and have our being. How wonderful that the truth does not need to say, oh, I said that first. But in fact, celebrates it and says that it is already there. That's how we move into a posture of create. Jerem Bars is a professor and a pastor in the States. He's written a book called Echoes of Eden. And in that book, he lines out six things that we can do. Those of us who are followers of Christ, those of us who are just discovering what this journey looks like. He says the first thing that we need to do is seek to glorify God in all that we do. We seek Him in all that we do. Everything that we have. The second thing we do is we recognize that we are designed to find fulfillment for ourselves in using, developing, and expressing the gifts God has given us. Every one of you, God has designed in a very particular, important way for His glory and for you to find fulfillment. In it. So we, we, we recognize that we're designed to do that. The third thing that we must do if we are standing in a posture of create is we have to say and question, does this benefit others? Is it for the good? The fourth is that by creating, we recognize that we are fulfilling our human design. That we're going back to the very beginning, the thing that God had designed all along. The, sixth, the fifth thing is that we reflect God as we create. As we do the work of standing in the posture of create. When we are seeking out right, freedom, love, beauty, and truth, that we in fact are reflecting God because God seeks out, proclaims, and embodies those things. And then last but not least, One of the things that we do when we are in a posture of create is we set back the boundaries of the fallen. See, we recognize that creation is not all it's supposed to be, that creation is not all that it was meant to be. And so when we stand in a posture of create, which only springs from a posture of welcome and for and care, then we push back and hold back the darkness, the fallenness, the exact opposite, the lies, the ugliness, the slavery, and the hatred that so seemingly seems to be all wrapped up in the world. When we stand in a posture of create, whether it be in an Excel sheet or whether it be on a canvas, whether it be in our enjoyment of Barry Manilow or our enjoyment of Handel's Messiah, I actually like the resurrection better than the Messiah. It's really great. When we go to the pub and we enjoy a band playing music that seemingly doesn't say anything about Jesus, but because they're really good musicians, they're operating in the thing that God made them to be. Or we go to the library and there's an author reading a book that's a little children's book to kids around. When we create a good meal. All of those things hold back the darkness. Push it back. And in that, we proclaim the cross and the resurrection. Because we know that it is only through the cross, only through that most powerful thing that sin has been broken and taken care of. That that darkness has been put at bay. And that when I create, truth, beauty, love, and freedom break in. Break in, oh so powerfully. And bring glory to God. Let's pray. Jesus, let these be Your words. If they are not Your words, Father, burn them up. Take them away. But if they are, we pray that they will grab deep into our hearts, that they will bear fruit to You, and that they will bring You glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.